You're listening to Periodically Buzzed, a weekly show where we distill this week's headlines into one half hour. Joining us today is publisher Michael Bushnell, creative arts director Brian Stalder, and myself, managing editor Elizabeth Orozco. So we are here this week with the August 14th, 2019 edition of the Northeast News, our lead story this week. I'm really, really happy with this and the way that the story turned out in regards to the nine-year-old boy that was struck by a hit-and-run driver over on Smart and Spruce. And I, I like the, the picture that was painted. It's a great story. It's news, and it's got a feel-good element to it. But I think it paints a real nice picture of the way that the police department, with their social work emphasis, can come in and put the ship back on the right path. And I, I, I think that story is, you told, you did an excellent job telling that story. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, and that, that's our lead this week. And of course, we've got Chief Rick Smith over here in the sidebar. I don't know how he keeps getting press on our front page. I'm just going to have to have a talk with him about positioning, I guess. Any other thoughts? No, I really enjoyed getting to meet the family, write the story about Emmanuel, who unfortunately was involved in the accident on Smart and Spruce. But yeah, I think it really does kind of show, honestly, how a community can come together and just see a need and really just help the family get back on track and really just how much work Trina has put in to the family just from herself from her own pocket like she has taken the kids out to different sporting games have taken them to movies taken them out to lunch so I think it really does show just even though unfortunately their involvement with the KCPD started with some mischievous behavior I think it really does paint a picture of how KCPD doesn't just come in and arrest people and then walk away they really are embedded and committed to just really I don't know just making people's lives better and like just Trina does so much for the community I think it's important to show that yeah, you know, when I heard the story on the news that a nine-year-old boy had been struck at Smart, uh, Smart and Spruce, this family actually was the first thing that came to mind because, you know, we've kind of had a connection with them in the Indian Mound community for, for the last year or so. Like Elizabeth pointed out, we originally found out about them because the kids were kind of getting into trouble, but Trina really went in there and uh, worked with this family, and everybody that lives over there has actually really grown to love this family, and they've just kind of been through the, the ringer because they also had an issue where somebody had told totaled their car just parked on the street in a hit and run accident and and, um, and it kind of left them without a vehicle and created some other problems for this family. So this family has been in our community for a while and, and I just I hate to, to know that this kid was struck by a car but I also just love this story all the way around because it just as Elizabeth already pointed out is a, is a nice story about the community coming together to help out a family. You know, I thought it was just really interesting because I was able to hang out with her when we went to go get the kid. We went to the hospital, uh, helped him pack up all his stuff, take him home. But during just that short time that I was with her, like she got so many messages and calls and emails of just things that needed to be done or people that needed to be helped. And so I was just blown away at just how it just just kind of showed me how much of a need there has been for this type of service in the community, um, connecting KCPD to the community um, and allowing that kind of work to be done between families that need help and families who are maybe being contacted by law enforcement. It just really showed that there was just this huge need. Whether it was by accident or by design, I think that the perfect dovetail to that story and what we're talking about right now is the podcast that you did with the new East Patrol Major, Doug Niemeyer. And I listened to that podcast yesterday and in it, he alludes to exactly that. You know, they're more embedded in the community now than they ever have been. 
and I, you know, I've lived here 30 years, so I remember those days when the district guys show up to a 911 call, resolve the issue, or they do an HBO handled by officer, and that could be they could be driving by and not locating the problem. Problem unfounded. HBO the call and you're on to the next call. In in the podcast, Major Niemeyer alludes to, you know, we're embedded. We're part of the community. We need to be a bigger part of the community. And so if you get two things out of this issue from a news standpoint, I think it's the podcast and the lead story because it just paints such an accurate picture of kind of the new policing, the community policing model that the police department is following right now and how it worked in this specific situation then and how that worked. It's a it's a perfect dub. So I I really like the way that that worked. Yeah, I'll just say that when you look at some of the violence that's been happening in the city lately, a lot of it, it, it's involved kids either perpetrating the crime or being the victims of crime. And I know that when I was president of the Neighborhood Association, we frequently ran into challenges of of children that were getting into trouble. And it just creates a new layer of, of challenges for how to deal with it. And having the KCPD social services coordinators, it addresses some needs that weren't previously being addressed. And I just, I love the fact that KCPD has the resources to address those things, I think, uh, more efficiently now. Road trip! We're going on a road trip! (laughs) (laughs) The the series of postcards, if you haven't been following over the last few weeks or over the summer months, the series of postcards that we're doing on Route 66 has really been kind of fun as as a historian. And doing the research on some of these cards, this week we're in Kingman, Arizona. We're almost to the end of Route 66. Over the next three weeks, we'll cover that ground. But I thought it was real interesting when I did the piece on the White Rock Court Motel in Kingman. I didn't realize that it was built in 1930-1931 by a Russian immigrant, and it was the only lodging establishment in Kingman, Arizona that was included in the Green Book. And that was kind of like the Bible for black families back in the era. And they knew that these places were safe places where they were welcome. You run into that a lot in in the biker community. Are you biker friendly? Are you motorcycle friendly? That's kind of the way that the the, the Green Book was for for African-American motorists back in the day. And this was the only place in Kingman that was listed in that book. And I thought that was real interesting. And one of the other things, I was able to find it on Google Street. It's not in the greatest condition right now, but if you look, you can actually pick out some of the details that are in the card and compare it to what it's like on Google Streets and things like that. So this has really turned out to be kind of a fun series, and I'm looking forward to getting some feedback from readers as to how they're following along and and basically what they think about it. Yeah, I like that uh, you included the, the mention of the Green Book in this because that was something that we had addressed in a previous postcard uh, of the, the Streets Hotel over at 18th and, and Paseo. The, the Route 66 postcard theme has been really fun, and I've really enjoyed reading it every week. You know, road trips are fun, and, and I, I kind of like reading about old motels. <laughs> I mean, everybody, you know, travels, and they stay in hotels and Airbnbs and everything now, and, and just thinking back to when people had like little family-run motels that were just off the side of the road in small towns that supported family businesses and just like looking at the postcards is fun and then learning more about the motels I think has just has been a lot of fun so I appreciate you doing the research on these. If, if you go out to Lawrence, Kansas, and if you don't take the interstate, if you take 40 Highway or 24 Highway, one of the last things that you pass before you turn left and go into downtown Lawrence is an old 
wigwam style motel and two or three of the wigwams are still there and the office is still there it gives you kind of an idea of kind of the kitschy places the little motor court motels that existed back in the late 20s and 30s and and 40s when route 66 was in its heyday next week we're going to profile another hotel in barstow california that sadly met the wrecking ball in in 1960 but there's a lot of these that are still out there for the historian if you're if you have a keen eye you can kind of spot these things and kind of pull them out of the of the woodwork this is this is how nerdy that i am when (laughs) when the med school did a book on their history i met with the author and it was a february day it was 20 degrees and we had a postcard of lou gehrig and babe ruth whose teams played an exhibition game to benefit Children's Mercy Hospital because that's what that facility was. So the postcard was them giving a refrigerator to the hospital for neonatal purposes or, you know, cooling purposes and things like that. We actually walked around the exterior of the building and looking at the different rocks and the way that the masons had laid them in order to find the exact spot that that postcard was taken in. So that's, that's <laughs> there. There's my nerd point for the day. So there you go. You can take that and do whatever you want with it. Talk to us about girls prep. Yeah, it was really cool to visit the school. Their first day is going to be August 19th. And when I visited the school, they were still very much under construction. We're just kind of getting some paint on the walls and getting furniture in the buildings. But it was just honestly really cool to, to hear their vision and to just see it in the Northeast community. I have a five-year-old girl myself and could definitely see this being something that I would be 100% willing to put her in. They talked about the vision. They talked about their core values. And specifically, I liked how the two founders have daughters of their own and saw how they flourished in all girls schools themselves so that was just really interesting um and i really love their their logo i thought that was really really pretty as well it's a tree that has leaves and visible roots and it's surrounded by a laurel so their core values i have it in here what is it community growth and freedom um so the community was the laurel surrounding the the tree uh and the free Freedom was the leaves and then the growth was the roots and I think actually she said that it was designed by Willoughby Designs in Kansas City which I believe is an all-female institution I'm oh. not sure I have to double check that to verify but I think that's what she said but overall I'm excited to see what the school does in the community and how it serves the young girls really of Northeast Kansas City it's free they don't have to take a test to enter they get very one-on-one direction different skill levels they have humanities stem classes classes, artists who come in and kind of teach different types of art. They have extracurricular activities, soccer, girls on the run. So I think they are really offering a lot to girls in the community who maybe can't get into all-girl private schools, still kind of offering that quality to kids in the Northeast. And that's at the old Kensington School at 17th of Man Brunt. It was Hogan Prep Elementary. Hogan Prep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I just want to call readers' attention to something that's in the paper every single week and Both of our state representatives that serve the historic Northeast area, uh, State Representative Barbara Washington represents District 
23 and state representative Ingrid Burnett represents district 19. And we include a constituent outreach piece every single week from those two legislators. And the reason that we do that is because people need to be more engaged in in their government. And if our readers ever have an issue that, uh, that they need attention to, whether it's local or state or county, they can call these two state representatives. And we've included uh, district maps. Their, their districts do abut each other, north and south. And they can reach those two state representatives by either email or telephone. And we include all of that contact information in those pieces. So I would encourage our readers to, if there's a bill that's being debated on the House floor, or if there's an issue in regards to crime or, or trash, get in touch with your representatives, whether they be straight representatives or local representatives, and, and make your voice heard, because that's that's how government works. This is we the people from the ground up. This is not a, a, a top-down kind of thing. So just kind of a reminder for our readers that those pieces are there every week and that they can reach their state legislators. Those state legislators welcome their calls. That's, that's why they're there. So please feel free to contact your legislators. Make your voice heard. Yeah, you should do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that, again, we run three weeks out of the month is the Independence Avenue CID and Northeast Chamber Center Spread. And this week, our Urban Street Ambassador, Kenneth McKenzie, is profiled. He's got five or six years in over at the CID. But we also talk about alley cleanup and its importance to, to public safety and crime. And that kind of dovetails with the story that ran in last week's paper in regards to Pendleton Heights and their alley cleanup efforts. And it certainly looks as if it, it, it's taking hold and community-wide. I'd certainly like to see that effort go on in a number of the neighborhoods in Northeast because I think it produces positive results. Yeah, I love seeing the Avenue ambassadors just walking up and down the street. I mean, not just in picking up trash, which is like a huge deal and just you know, kind of creates that cleaner environment for everyone. But honestly, just like being more eyes on the street to me, in my opinion, you know, like if I'm at a store, family dollar, let's say, and walk outside and I see, you know, one of the street ambassadors in the front. I mean, obviously, I just feel better about being there and knowing that there's some direct link to the chamber or to the CID and that we do have those eyes on the street. So yeah, I love the the center spread this week. And I love them highlighting all the different ambassadors that kind of just are out there every single day. Yeah, you know, I, I get an opportunity to sit down with all of the Urban Street ambassadors and interview them for uh, for these ads that we put in the paper. One thing that every single one of them says consistently about why they like their job is that they like that they get to meet so many people. They're on the street and people come by and tell them, thank you, you know, you're doing a great job, the avenue looks better. And they, t- they really take pride in that. So I've had, a, I've had a good time getting to sit down and chat with all of them. And I would encourage our readers, this is what they do. They do it for a reason. They take pride in it. And when you see them on the street, just stop and wave, say hi, maybe even take a few minutes to chat with them if you can, because uh, they're really proud of the work they do. You know, this week's spread, we're focused on alley cleanup. The, the ad series that we're running right now for the chamber and the CID is focused on the different services that the CID offers and then the partnership that they make with government offices or agencies or business owners along Independence Avenue. So there's a lot of folks that are aware that the CID exists and that they are doing work, but they're not necessarily clear on what exactly it is that this CID does. And they do a lot of things. It's unbelievable how many things they do. And so we're running just an entire series about all of the services that they offer so that folks can learn more about the CID. 
All right, so that's this week. We'd encourage you to pick up a copy of the paper. It's it's in your front yard. We've got a number of different locations that you can get the paper in Historic Northeast, a number of racks on the Avenue, St. John, 9th Street, uh, 12th Street. Next week, we're going to we're gonna kind of switch it up. We're toying with some new ideas to title our, our weekly chat, our little fireside chat here. So we're going to play around with some ideas, and we'll roll those out to you next week. So until then, thanks very much. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Periodically Buzzed. As always, I'm your host, Elizabeth Orozco.